Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. Also at jcim.net, there is a tab to sign up for a daily lesson to be sent to you from the Course in Miracles Society, which includes both the lesson for the day and the reading for the day. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern, and today we complete our reading of Chapter 4, The Root of All Evil, with Section 9, True Rehabilitation. We're also mindful of our lesson today, Lesson 48, There is Nothing to Fear. And I'm just so delighted uh, to bring this little piece this morning from an anonymous author that was shared with me uh, through our friend Patricia on the call. I thought it was a really fun way uh, to look at today's lesson. And it goes like this. Welcome aboard Flight 2023. We are preparing for an on-time departure into the new year. Please make sure your attitude and actions are secured and locked in an upbeat and upright position. All self-destructive thoughts should be turned off at this time and remain off forever. <laughs> Any negativity, hate, and discouragement discouragement must remain completely stowed. In the unlikely event we lose altitude while under pressure, simply reach up and pull down a prayer. Prayers will automatically activate. If you have faith, with faith, you will be able to assist other passengers. There will be no baggage allowed on this flight. Now, Captain God has cleared us for takeoff. Our first destination is love with continuing stops at peace and joy. Before you do plane, make sure you don't leave any of your hopes and dreams behind. Once these are lost, they cannot be reclaimed. If there's anything we can do to make your flight more enjoyable, please do the same by paying it forward. We wish you a pleasant flight. There is nothing to fear. Amen. Thank you. I really love that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. I was really happy Patricia shared that with me. And I'm so glad you popped on, Patricia, just to hear it. <laughs> what a delight. I'm here for more. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh, that was great. Okay, here's our reading list today. We have Lemoyne, Karen, and Donna. We're joined in listening this morning by Diana and Judy. And who else has joined us? Would like to say good morning or be on the reading list? Patricia. Good morning. Thank you. Oh, good. Hi, Patricia. Hi, Patricia. Hey, good morning, Robin Marie. Hi, I'll read. All righty. Great. Thank you. You read, Patricia? Good morning. Can I put you well, down to read, Patricia? Listening, honey. Thank you. 
Okay, alrighty. And good morning. Good morning. This is Jessica, and I can read. Thanks. Thanks, Jessica. Good morning. This is Sandra. I'm listening. Good morning, Sandra. Okay, great. I think that's everyone. Yeah? Alrighty. Okay, since we only have, um, I think it was three or four paragraphs in today's reading, I thought it would be really excellent to go back to the previous section, beginning with paragraph 98, because those last five paragraphs in the previous section are the setup for uh, the reading today. And it looks like we have plenty of readers to do that. Um, if that's if everyone has those paragraphs available to them, paragraph 98 through 1. So beginning in chapter 4, The Root of All Evil with paragraph 98. Existence as well as being rests on communication. Existence, however, is specific in how, what, and with whom communication is judged to be worth undertaking. Being is completely without these distinctions. It is a state in which the mind is in communication with everything that is real, including the soul. To whatever extent you permit this state to be curtailed, you are limiting your sense of your own reality, which becomes total only by recognizing all reality in the glorious context of its real relationship to you. This is your reality. Do not desecrate it or recoil from it. It is your real home, your real temple, and your real self. Lemoyne. Thank you, Lori. From 98. Existence, as well as being, rests on communication. Existence, however, is specific in how, what, and with whom communication is judged to be worth undertaking. Being is completely without these distinctions. It is a state in which the mind is in communication with everything that is real, including the soul. To whatever extent you permit this state to be curtailed, you are limiting your sense of your own reality, which becomes total only by your recognizing all reality in the glorious context of its real relationship to you. This is your reality. Do not desecrate it or recoil from it. It is your real home, your real temple, and your real self. God, who encompasses all being, nevertheless created beings who have everything individually, but who want to share it to increase their joy. Nothing that is real can be increased except by sharing. That is why God himself created you. Divine abstraction, 
takes joy in application, and that is what creation means. How, what, and to whom are irrelevant because real creation gives everything since it can create only like itself. Remember that in being, there is no difference between having and being as there is in existence. In the state of being, the mind gives everything always. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Karen. 99. God, who encompasses all beings, nevertheless created beings, who have everything individually, but who want to share it to increase their joy. Nothing that is real can be increased except by sharing. That is why God himself created you. Divine abstraction takes joy in application, and that is what creation means. How, what, and to whom are irrelevant, because real creation gives everything since it can only create like itself. Remember that in being, there is no difference between having and being as there is in existence. In the state of being, the mind gives everything always. 100. The Bible repeatedly states that you should praise God. This hardly means that you should tell him how wonderful he is. He has no ego with which to accept such thanks and no perception which, with which to judge such, such offerings. But unless you take your part in the creation, his joy is not complete because yours is not complete. And this he does know. He knows it in his being and its experience of his son's experience. The constant going out of his love is blocked when his channels are closed. And he is lonely when the minds he created do not communicate fully with him. Thank you, Karen. And Donna. 100. The Bible repeatedly states that you should praise God. This hardly means that you should tell him how wonderful he is. He has no ego with which to accept such thanks and no perception with which to judge such offerings. But unless you take your part in the creation, but unless you take your part in the creation, his joy is not complete because yours is incomplete. And this he does know. He knows it in his being and its experience of his son's experience. The constant going out of his love is blocked when his channels are closed. And he is lonely when the minds he created cannot communicate fully with him. 101. 
God has kept your kingdom for you, but he cannot share his joy with you until you know it in your whole mind. Even revelation is not enough because it's communication from God. It is not enough until it is shared. God does not need revelation returned to him, which would clearly be impossible. But he does want revelation brought to others. This cannot be done with the actual revelation because its content cannot be expressed and it is intentionally, intensely personal to the mind which receives it. It can, however, still be returned by that mind through its attitude to other minds which the knowledge from the revelation brings. Thank you, Donna. And Robin Marie. One one. God has kept your kingdom for you, but he cannot share his joy with you until you know it with your whole mind. Even revelation is not enough because it is communication from God. It is not enough until it is shared. God does not need revelation returned to him, which would clearly be impossible. But he does want revelation brought to others. This cannot be done with the actual revelation because its content cannot be expressed and it is intensely personal to the mind which receives it. It can, however, still be returned by that mind through its attitudes to other minds, which the knowledge from the revelation brings. 102. God is praised whenever any mind learns to be wholly helpful. This is impossible without being wholly harmless, because the two beliefs coexist. The truly helpful are invulnerable, because they are not protecting their egos so that, can, so that nothing can hurt them. Their helpfulness is, is, their helpfulness is their praise of God, and he will return their praise of him because they are like him, and they can rejoice together. God goes out to them and through them, and there is great joy throughout the kingdom. Every mind that is changed changed. Every mind that is changed adds to this joy with its own individual willingness to share in it. The truly helpful are God's miracle workers, whom I direct until we are all united in the joy of the kingdom. I will direct you to wherever you can be truly helpful and to whoever can follow my guidance through you. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Jessica, if you'd like to do that paragraph and then roll right into the true, true reboot, the next paragraph after that. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. It might take me a minute to make the transition from this one to the next one. Um, okay, 102. God is praised whenever any mind learns to be wholly helpful. 
This is impossible without being wholly harmless because the two beliefs coexist. The truly helpful are invulnerable because they are not protecting their egos so that nothing can hurt them. Their helpfulness is their praise of God and he will return their praise of him because they are like him and they can rejoice together. God goes out to them and through them and there is great joy throughout the kingdom. Every mind that is changed adds to this joy with its own individual willingness to share it. The truly helpful are God's miracle workers in whom uh, miracle workers whom I direct until we are all united in the joy of the kingdom. I will direct you to wherever you can be truly helpful and to whoever can follow my guidance through you. Okay, one second. Two seconds. (laughs) Right, I'm almost there. Okay, 103. Every mind which is split needs rehabilitation. The medical orientation to rehabilitation emphasizes the body, while the vocational orientation stresses the ego. The, quote, team approach generally leads more to confusion than to anything else because it is too often misused as a way of exerting the ego's domination over other egos rather than a real experiment in the cooperation of minds. Rehabilitation is a movement, as a movement is an improvement over the overt neglect of those in need of help. But it is often little more than a painful attempt on the part of the... Okay, I think there's a typo here. Because it says, uh, this is my e- the emailed from, uh, you know, Reverend Reja. It says, that little more than a painful attempt on the part of the halt to lead the blind. So, um, what is that, what should that word be instead of halt? Um, it is halt, and halt oh. is a colloquial exp- expression for somebody who's limping. <laughs> oh, Wow, I don't remember ever noticing this before. Okay, so there you go. That's it. Thank you. All right. (laughs) Thank you, Jessica. Okay, so now, is there a new reader for 103 and 104? Mm, All righty, back. Okay, Patricia, thank you. One three. Every mind which is split needs rehabilitation. The medical orientation to rehabilitation emphasizes the body, while the vocational orientation stresses the ego. 
the term approach generally leads more to confusion rather than to anything else because it is too often misused as a way of exerting the ego's domination over other egos rather than rather than as a real experiment in the cooperation of mind. Rehabilitation as a movement is an improvement over the overt neglect of those in need of help. But it is often little more than a painful attempt on the part of the hope to lead the blind. 104. The ego is likely to fear broken bodies because it cannot tolerate them. The ego cannot tolerate ego weakness, either without ambivalence, because it is afraid. It is afraid of its own weakness, as well as the weakness of its chosen home. When it is threatened, the ego blocks your natural impulse to help, placing you under the strain of divided will. You may then be tempted to withdraw, to allow your ego to recover and to gain enough strength to be helpful again on a basis limited enough not to threaten your ego, but too limited to give you joy. Too limited to give you joy. Those with broken bodies are often looked down on by the ego because of its belief that nothing but a perfect body is worthy of its own people. Thank you, Patricia. And is there another new reader for 104 and 105? This is Sandra. I can read. Thanks, Sandra. The ego is likely to fear broken bodies because it cannot tolerate them. The ego cannot tolerate ego weakness either without ambivalence because it is afraid of its own weakness as well as the weakness of its chosen home. 
When it is threatened, the ego blocks your natural impulse to help, placing you under the strain of divided will. You may then be tempted to withdraw to allow your ego to recover and to gain enough strength to be helpful again on a basis limited enough not to threaten your ego but too limited to give you joy but too limited to give you joy those with broken bodies are often looked down on by the ego because of its belief that nothing but a perfect body is worthy as its own temple 105 a mind that recoils from a hurt body is in great need of rehabilitation itself all symptoms of hurt need true helpfulness and whenever they are met <clears throat> and this with this the mind that so meets them heals itself rehabilitation is an attitude of praising god as he himself knows praise He offers praise to you and you must offer it to others. The chief handicaps of the clinicians lie in their attitude to those whom their egos perceive as weakened and damaged. By these evaluations, they have weakened and damaged their own helpfulness and have thus set their own rehabilitation back. Rehabilitation is not concerned either with the ego's fight for control or its need to avoid and withdraw. You can do much on behalf of your own rehabilitation and that of others if, in a situation calling for healing, you think of it this way. Thank you, Sandra. And would you like to read that uh, 106 too, please? Sure. I am here only to be truly helpful. I am here to represent Christ who sent me. I do not have to worry about what to say or what to do because he who sent me will direct me. I am content to be wherever he wishes, knowing he goes there with me. I will be healed as I let him teach me how to heal. Amen. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Sandra. And would there be another new reader who would like to do 105 and 106 together? I'd love to, Lori. Thank you. Thanks, Judy. A mind that recoils from a hurt body is in great need of rehabilitation itself. All symptoms of hurt need true helpfulness. And whenever they are met with this, the mind that so meets them heals itself. Rehabilitation is an attitude of praising God as he himself knows praise. He offers praise to you, and you must offer it to others. The chief handicaps of the clinicians lie in their attitudes to those whom their egos perceive as weakened and damaged. By these evaluations, they have weakened and damaged their own helpfulness and have thus set their own rehabilitation back. Rehabilitation is not concerned 
either with the ego's fight for control or its need to avoid and withdraw. You can do much on behalf of your own rehabilitation and that of others if in a situation calling for healing you think of it this way. I am here only to be truly helpful. I am here to represent Christ who sent me. I do not have to worry about what to say or what to do because he who sent me will direct me. I am content to be wherever he wishes, knowing he goes there with me. I will be healed as I let him teach me to heal. Amen. Thank you so, so much. Amen. Thank you, Judy. All righty. What a great way to do these paragraphs together. I really enjoyed that. Um, let's see. Just from this section, then, to highlight a few things in Section 9, True Rehabilitation. Every mind which is split needs rehabilitation. Paragraph 104. The ego cannot tolerate ego weakness. Well, I've got to say the first sentence too. The ego is likely to fear broken bodies because it cannot tolerate them. The ego cannot tolerate ego weakness either without ambivalence because it is afraid of its own weakness as well as the weakness of its chosen home. When it is threatened, the ego blocks your natural impulse to help, placing you under the strain of divided will. In paragraph 105, a mind that recoils from a hurt body is in great need of rehabilitation itself. All symptoms of hurt need true helpfulness, and whenever they are met with this, the mind that so meets them heals itself. Rehabilitation is not concerned either with the ego's fight for control or its need to avoid and withdraw. You can do much on behalf of your own rehabilitation and that of others. If in a situation calling for healing you think of it this way, I am here only to be truly helpful. I am here to represent Christ who sent me. I do not have to worry about what to say or what to do because he who sent me will direct me. I am content to be wherever he wishes, knowing he goes there with me. I, I will be healed as I let him teach me to heal. Amen. And with that little tiny touch, our floor is open. Oh, let me add this. I'm sorry. Uh, for the next two weeks, uh, Fran's going to be pretty intensely involved with rehab uh, after surgery for her broken hip. And so um, she'll only be with us one day next week, and the week after she won't be at all. So in light of that, is there anyone who'd like to volunteer? Um, if you please think about it when we get to stop the hour to lead our lesson reflection this morning. I'd surely appreciate it. Okay, now the floor is open. Thanks.
Good morning, this is Sandra. And this reading was so helpful to me because um, that is really a part of my nature is to want to be helpful, particularly to my loved ones. <laughs> and um, and it's, it's enlightening to me to realize that it's, it's their egos that don't want me to help because they need to be in control. And somehow they're interpreting my desire to help uh, to as a, as some kind of control mechanism. So um, I've had to really back off and allow and accept that they don't want my help, <laughs> um, which could be a blow to my ego, and it has been, but I'm learning to just love them unconditionally. It's like God offering us these gifts, these tools, to help us to come back home. And sometimes, you know, there's times when I've read this book and I go, oh my God, and I, you know, you want to throw it over the bridge. <laughs> because there's, and it says that in the reading too, there's, there's, the ego doesn't want help because the ego wants to be in control. So this was very helpful for me. I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Sandra. Hi, it's Robin Marie. Hi, this is Chris. Oh, hi, <laughs> Chris. Go ahead, Robin. <laughs> okay. Um, I just was going to say it's, it has been very helpful to me to continually realize that everyone's path is different. Every person is different. And not to judge um, other people by what they're doing because, you know, that path that they're on uh, God is going to show them something on that path, and I don't know why they're on it, and I don't know what God is going to show them, but it becomes very, very um, uh, clear to me that I shouldn't meddle in other people's <laughs> on other people's path, but stay on my own. That's very helpful, and it's very helpful to them too, because they can see that you know God is directing me. You know, in their um, in their inner mind, you know, they can see that, and it helps them to uh, come to the realization that God is their source. And thank you, Chris. Chris, go ahead. <laughs> thank you, Robin Marie. Thank you, Robin Marie. Yeah, um, I like what Sandra shared and what Robin Marie piggybacked on. Um, yeah, the Holy Spirit is the ultimate rehab director within. And... Um, 
I too have witnessed within me a resistance to be rehabilitated. And, but I also have witnessed a greater desire to follow that rehabilitating direction of his and have reaped the benefits of strengthening my mind, stilling my mind from the wild Uh, wild monkey within and appreciate also the surrendered state that has given me the ultimate experience of Holy Spirit's control expressing through me and as me it's um it's a beautiful thing. I'm going to keep it short, but I would love to know where we read from in the in this edition. Thank you. I'm complete. Oh, sh- sure, Chris, and thank you for that share. Um, in this edition, we read from Chapter Four, The Root of All Evil, and we backed up to Paragraph 98 which is in Section 8, Creation and Communication. So we included five paragraphs at the end of that section, 98 through 102, and then we did Section 9, True Rehabilitation. And that completes paragraph, or that completes Chapter 4 today. So thanks for your share. And and you highlighted... um, exactly something I wanted to share about this discussion that I found really helpful. It's from um, the notes, and perhaps in your CE versions this was included, I'm not sure, but um, the whole section, uh, True Rehabilitation, flows from a discussion uh, that Christ's mind was having with Helen. And he made the observation, I thought this this is just the perfect setup. He made this observation in their dialogue about rehabilitation and Bill going to this conference. Here's the paragraph. The reason why Bill needs this experience of going to this conference on rehab is because he needs rehabilitating himself. Now here's the key. How often have I answered, quote, help him when you asked me to help you? You asked me to help you and I answered help him? He too has asked for help and he has been helped whenever he was truly helpful to you. He has also gained to whatever extent he could give. He will help you more by truly going He will help you more truly by going if he can remember all the time he is there that his only reason for being there is to represent me. I love that little paragraph because it describes so perfectly um, the exchange of Christ's mind that goes on with giving and receiving. Isn't that just perfect? 
And so this rehabilitation conference, he wants Bill to know that he can be most helpful to himself by going because he's afraid of his own uh, ego weakness. And he wants Helen to remind Bill of exactly that, knowing that he can be most helpful to her also by going. In other words, I am helped to the, ex- to the extent that I am helpful. Isn't that just beautiful? I'm helped to the extent that I'm helpful. Um, and that's the essence of these, these four paragraphs, the setup, if you will. So I'm really happy to have shared that this morning here before we have, or since we are at the top of the hour. In light of that little bit, um, today's lesson 48, There Is Nothing to Fear. Has anyone thought about leading our reflection this morning? I'll do it, Lori. Thanks, Lori. All right. Lesson 48. There is nothing to fear. The idea for today simply states a fact. It is not a fact to those who believe in illusions, but illusions are not facts. In truth, there is nothing to fear. It is very easy to recognize this, but it is very difficult to recognize for those who want illusions to be true. Today's practice periods will be very short, very simple, and very frequent. Merely repeat the idea as often as possible. You can use it with your eyes open at any time and in any situation. It is strongly recommended, however, that you take a minute or so whenever possible to close your eyes and repeat the idea slowly to yourself several times. It is particularly important that you use the idea immediately should anything disturb your peace of mind. The presence of fear is a sure sign that you are trusting in your own strength. The awareness that there is nothing to fear shows that somewhere in your mind, not necessarily in a place which you recognize as yet, You have remembered God and let his strength take the place of yours. The instant you are willing to do this, there is indeed nothing to fear. So take that minute now with lesson 48. There is nothing to fear.
There is nothing to fear. How safe the world will look to me when I can see it. It will not look anything like what I imagine I see now. Everyone and everything I see will lean toward me to bless me. I will recognize in everyone my dearest friend. What could there be to fear in a world which I have forgiven and which has forgiven me? Lesson 48. There is nothing to fear. Hmm. Amen. That was just beautiful, Wayne. Thank you. Thanks, Emily. This is Sandra, and I said this earlier too, but this lesson is such a comfort to me because I feel like it's directly from God, directly from the Holy Spirit, and the body is going to feel fear. So that feeling is is there because I'm I'm I'm. Uh, inhabiting a body right now and having a body experience. But these words, because of where they come from, are direct. It's, it's like God is the strength with which I let go of fear. <laughs> because these words are direct from, from God, direct from Holy Spirit, direct from my soul and to my soul. It's just, first of all, I'm not a body. Um, and... If I identify with the body, even if I don't identify with the body, I could still feel fear because um, it's a, just a feeling in the body. But I can address it and comfort it with the truth, which is there is nothing to fear. And it really helps me because I still feel fear and I remember these words and, and when they happen. And it's a lot of stuff around the body. And every time I feel it, I say, you know, there's nothing to fear. I am not a body. I am free. I am as God created me, completely united, completely protected. I'm not under the laws of the ego, which means I'm not under the laws of this earth. So there's nothing to fear. I'm complete. Oh, that was beautiful, Sandra. Thank you. I can feel that from you. Amen. Thank you. Excellent share. I um this is Jude. Good morning. Um I'm really taken with this reading. I'm so glad you had us go back to um existence as well as being rest on communication. And um, the thing that jumps out at me is, um, in, in, in reference to, um, you know, the ego is never in, in communication with the soul, and that I have to identify with the truth, the soul, the one mind in my source, my Christ consciousness, in order to be helpful at all, which is, um, you know, with the all of paragraph. 106 refers to, I, I can only be truly helpful in representing the Christ mind in me. And I don't have to think 
and let him direct me and, um, you know, do what he wishes. And I will be healed as I let him teach me what healing is. I don't know. I don't know. So um, this is, this is, um, uh, comes to truer clarity for me when, you know, in, in first of all, functioning rehabilitation, functioning at the level of improving, improving the overt neglect of those in need of help. You know, that we, we've either neglected ourselves personally or neglected others personally and 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 therefore they're in need of help um so you know starting from the bottom up um and how the ego is likely to fear um and here's where i'm bringing in the lesson for today you know the ego has made us into um an image of a body and this is the the our mistake in our self-appraisal that we have to know who we are as spirit and mind in service of the spirit in order to really work this um, true rehabilitation, true healing. So first and foremost, the, um, you know, the ego's perception to see another person as an ego, I'm looking through the eyes of body thinking I'm a body looking at um, another person in a body as two separate separate selves, and that is what needs to be healed. That's where I, I need to go to the one-mindedness where true healing can occur. So, um, you know, that the, weak, the weakness of my ego mind doesn't enter into this fear, where the fear comes in, because the ego is in and of itself a, a fearful thought. So it can't bring the perfect love that is the source of the healing to the situation. Um, where was I going from there? Oh, just how I've seen throughout my nursing career how um, people will avert their eyes from people who are sick and suffering. They can't stand to look at even look upon it, the sight of blood, um, the sight of any kind of symptoms of sickness are very repulsive to people, and um, I'm sure everyone is, you know, familiar with that. But um, that to perceive another through the eyes of my ego limits my own helpfulness and set my own rehabilitation back is the line that I really wanted to um, to bring out because it's very important to me that I recognize people as spirit, as one joined mind and in source, in love, in purpose, and... Um, not to see the the damaged or the weak, because that is, um, a, you know, it's, this is where it gets muddied with words, but I hope you can feel how I'm trying to express this. Um, looking past the physical appearance of form 
in order to know that I can truly be of help because I know who and what we are in our unicity and in our state of grace. And um, in that way, I will be healed as I let him teach me to heal. And there's no fear. Um, And healing that comes of God, of source, has no fear or doubt in it. And all fear and doubt is of the ego. It is nothing, and it is of no use. Uh, (laughs) Enough out of me. Thank you so much for helping me to, to, to say out loud what is in my heart. Amen. I'm complete. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Very good. Very good. Wise words. Thanks. Patricia here. I just want to read the line, the truly helpful are in bone because they are not protecting their egos so that nothing can hurt them. Amen. Thank you, Judy. And go ahead, Patricia. Yes, I'm finding that, and thank you, Judy, for everything. I know pulled my voice out, that the joy of uh, experiencing the lesson, there is nothing to fear with the the reading. And so I'm, I'm on page 78 in that last paragraph. It keeps coming back to me and uh, stares in my Oh, I am here in a big, uh, bold, highlighted O-N-L-Y. I am here only. And I'm feeling what that word means and what the power of these words are. I know this. I know this only. I am here wholly and only to be truly helpful. And so that sentence keeps ringing and ringing and ringing to the lesson that we'll be singing throughout our day. Any second we have something other than peace, we are going to say there is nothing to fear here. And what does that mean when I am here only to be truly helpful? That means I stop saying, when will you wake up and change your mind? That's not my thing. I am here only to show the presence that you are perfect now. And everyone coming to this day and touching us in 
any way we turn to see we are here only to be truly representing that you have nothing to fear. Trust yourself. We stop saying to the other one to change themselves. We stop saying the story is wrong. We say, I am here only to be the one saying, you have nothing to fear. Trust yourself. What a joy. What a joy. And I can't say there's a single thing easy about it. But what a joy to drop every story coming to me today to say I am only here to sit and know. I don't need to trust you. I don't need to do anything but say there is no need to do anything but trust. There's no fear. There's nothing there to make that story real anymore. Don't change yourself. Just trust. That's really a frightening thing. Because I'm going to watch people do things that I'm seeing could cause them trouble. I'm knowing it's God in that one. And I'm going to be here until I see only that. The perfection in you and everyone that need not change the way you are being guided. Thank you. Oh, that was so lovely. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you, Patricia. Hi, this is Chris. Just a quick thing. I I just received an insight of the reading. It says, it is particularly important that you see you use the idea immediately should anything disturb your peace of mind it is particularly important that you use the idea immediately should anything disturb your peace of mind i've seen that phrase so much 
in lessons to answer temptation immediately, rapidly. And that's such an important factor of the undoing process. You know, I feel like the Holy Spirit, our internal, eternal director of rehab, has said this over and over and over again, even in the text. Um, and I tend to wonder why it's repeated so much. Well, I'm reaping the rewards of that immediacy. Thank you. I'm complete. No oh boy. Thank you, Chris. And thank you for that reminder of the reminder. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Maybe I'll do it today. Yay. <laughs> that's how I learned, Chris. I learned through repetition. So that's why I so appreciate all the repetition in this book. I'm complete. Yeah, me too. This is Donna. Indeed, all is joy. As we had ended the reading and I had looked over some notes I made, what caught my eye was the root of all evil. And I thought, that evil word, that's such a vague word, really. And it came to me that to put egos above it, the root of all egos. And that's what this this chapter four has been such a meal of spiritual bread. Um, I continue to be very grateful to be here. And in paragraph 100 uh, says, referring to God, he knows it in his own being. The word being had come to me, and as I went back to look for it, that's that's the place I found it. And then it came to me as the word being. So God's being is oneness. And that, to me, um, puts us right where we really are. 
the other thing I saw from 101 and also 102 was something I almost don't have words for. Uh, I'm going to read what I highlighted. Uh, In 101, God does want revelation brought to others. It can be returned by that mind through its attitudes to other minds which the knowledge from the revelation brings. And from 102, and I changed a word, a couple of words. God is praised when our mind is wholly helpful. And further down in that 102, again, our helpfulness is our praise of God. And further down, God goes out to them and through them, and there is great joy throughout the kingdom. The truly helpful are God's miracle workers, whom I direct until we are all united in the joy of the kingdom. I will direct you to whatever, wherever you can be truly helpful and to whoever can follow my guidance through you. And as I read that, what came to me, that means in, even in consciousness and probably more in consciousness than in actual us going, being somewhere in our quote-unquote bodies. But that also happens. I'm out a lot and I'm having... Uh, things happen, and um, and they are God's happenings because anything that's happened already happened, and it's God who happened it. <laughs> but what I got from 101 is this is really a, a finding deep words to help me understand the miracle. And then in 102, it's also... deeper words that are helping me understand miracle-mindedness. So uh, I just really am enriched by that, that, I guess, insight that I have received. Thank you, Holy Spirit, today. And from 106... I am here to represent Christ who sent me. I do not have to worry about what to say or what to do because he who sent me will direct me. I am content to be wherever he wishes, knowing he goes there with me. And one other, one other uh, sentence in this beautiful chapter came to me which I'm in love with. It's chapter, it's um, paragraph 11. It's paragraph 11. In this reading, the first sentence. If you were willing to renounce the role of guardian of your thought system and open them to me, I will correct 
them very gently and lead you home. I'm almost hesitant to speak about an experience I had. I'm going to tell a story that I I was going to move to Kentucky. And before I made the move, I thought, this was in September, I thought, you know what, I better get a post office box. You know, who knows, I might... I might need to be uh, start working at that. So, so I did. I was compelled to go up and do that. And then when I didn't move, and probably now, I don't feel like that is what the Holy Spirit's saying to me. And, and our reading, was it yesterday, perhaps? Um, it was. In her reading yesterday, the post office, the experience I had at the post office, and the reading, and then at the end of the reading, I, I got the message. I thought, oh, the post office. So I have a address, and I have a post office mailing address. And I thought, oh, my God, that represents that I have moved without moving and to me, that means I have moved from operating so much in the ego, ego uh, thought system and moved into the Christ conscious, uh, consciousness thought system. So that was a, a, a great, wonderful revelation for me in, in um, yesterday's reading. And I am going to tell this story about being about this post office. I've had four miraculous encounters in that post office since September. And I tell people about them. That's how clear they are to me. But the last one I had was so beautiful. I mean, the world melted. So I was, people leave mail. I guess if it's not theirs and, they leave somebody else's box mail out in the lobby. And is, is on, <laughs> I used to be a do-gooder, whether it was needed or not. Uh, I picked up this piece of mail, and I went in to stand and wait my turn. And there was a woman shipping a bunch of packages. And I, it was a, took a long time for this uh, the uh, postal person to check all these packages in. And this lady and, 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 her, and the worker were um, having a con- little conversation while the post worker was working. And, and as I was standing there, um, National Guard, a soldier came in who happened to be a, a girl or a young woman, I guess I should say. And <clears throat> I was in... And, quote unquote line and I could see that the soldier was a little bit um, anxious because parent this this packaging thing was going to be a while. I'm standing there quietly and and um, I don't know when, which I did first, but I I'm standing there quietly and I'm hearing an interior convert I'm hearing within my mind, my consciousness, I hear this, why are you standing there? And I thought, you know, that was 
me asking myself, why am I standing there? And it wasn't until later I understood that was not me. So, and then it came to me, the answer came, I heard this say, why are you standing there? And then I heard the Holy, Holy Spirit, or Jesus, actually, I think it's Jesus, when he literally speaks to me. He said, this is a divine appointment. <laughs> but as soon as I received that thought, this woman at the counter, this, the, the post office person must have said how, maybe a daughter, and this woman at the corner, at the counter, also was, was, gave this toast testimony about some kind of a horrendous situation. And I heard this woman tell the other woman, uh, are you going to go see her? And the woman said, she doesn't want me to come. And I, I, know, I know that this woman, this was prompted by the interior that I heard. So... And believe me, I was at the post office too soon. Usually I don't go that early because I'm afraid my mail won't be in. So I was in there like at 11 o'clock. So when she was finishing up, I looked at the, the uh, National Guard uh, young soldier and I said to her, thank you for your service. Her the spell broke of her anxiety. Her face lit up like a light bulb. And I thought, Okay, that was my divine appointment. And here, hearing this woman sharing, so keeping my mind so the Holy Spirit could do the miracles. So the lady went out, and I dropped the, the, the letter off. And then the teller, the teller said to me, you know, you didn't have to wait and do that. So I, I am so bold to say that she had the thought, she doesn't want it. Why is she standing there or something like that? And that's when the Holy Spirit was able to answer her, but I got the answer. So, and then as I go out, this young woman held the door open for me, and I said, thank you, love. But it was such a beautiful experience. And I'm, I'm right behind this woman. I think I'm, I should probably say to her, God bless you. This woman stops at my car, and I'm thinking she's looking at the junk inside. And... And then, then she sees me behind and feels intimidated, I guess, and moves around to her car. And she says to me, what is that that's on your car about good? She didn't have a chance to read it. So I have this dollar thing I picked up at Dollar Tree. And it says, there is good in the world. Be the good. So I just told her, I said, oh, there is only good. And I said, and I believe in miracles. That lady, she, she melted all that fear and anxiety and all that apprehension and all her heartbreak and upsetness. It was almost physically, I could see it fall off of her body. Mm. And she, and thank, oh, thank you, she said. I'm so grateful to you. Thank you, she said. <laughs> And we got in our cars and went on our way. And if that isn't the purest example of, of life with Christ, 
and sustaining the Christ consciousness. So I'm so grateful because if I hadn't stuck in with these readings and gotten this magnificent chapter on my, under my belt, I would still be in a lot of darkness. I am complete. Praise the Lord. Oh, thank what you. a beautiful story of healing. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Donna. Yes, thank you, Donna. It did move my heart tremendously. Thank you, Donna. This is Diana, and one of the I'm glad Lori backed up on this um, chapter because number 100 just really struck me yesterday as it did to me today when it said, the Bible repeatedly states that you should praise God. This hardly means that you should tell him how wonderful he is. He has no ego with which to accept such things and no preception with which to judge such offerings. But unless you take your part in in the creation, His joy is not complete because yours is incomplete. And this he knows, and he knows it in his own being and its experience of his son's existence. The constant going out of his love is blocked when the channels are closed, and he is lonely when the minds he created do not communicate fully with him. I love that because, you know, I don't know how any of you talk to Jesus. Mine is always, thank you, God. I love you, God. Hello, God. You know, it's a conscious awareness. It's like him being a channel that works through me. I was um, cleaning out my drawer yesterday, and I found a bracelet. And one Christmas years ago, I had put on everybody's charm bracelet a um, WWGD, What Would Jesus Do?, and, and and I had to take back a second and laugh because one of the teenagers that was getting, you know, control and direction from mom and dad, the last thing she wanted on her braces was <laughs> what Jesus do. And she took it off. And that was okay because it's still sitting in my drawer. And, and I'm sure she's even forgotten about it. She's, a, you know, an older woman now, which is totally God-focused, God-centric. And it was just, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, brought back a memory there. But I think whenever we can live as a channel and pay it forward and do the WWGD, you know, what what is yours for me to do today to release and let go is the way. I think this, this is what we're trying to talk about in this 100. Not, you know, being that puzzle piece and connecting with him for the complete picture and God, trust me, will give us opportunities all day long to to show the voice and face of God for him. We just have to be present. And so I'm, I'm grateful for this reading today, and thanks for letting me share. Thanks. Thank you for your share, Diana. What would Jesus do? I like that. <laughs> And I, I like your emphasis on communication. That, that's um, so integral. 
to how this all works. So thank you. Oh, good morning, everyone. This is Lori. And, um, yeah, I really did enjoy putting those five paragraphs together with this section this morning. Uh, it came to me at the last minute how to do that. Cause I was thinking yesterday, oh, gosh, you know, four paragraphs. Um, what can we do that um, that would give us enough fertile ground to really experience what true rehabilitation is and I, I didn't know I mean I had some ideas about what could be done but it wasn't until I sat down at my desk this morning that it just became clear that's how how to do that <clears throat> and um, and when we get to true rehabilitation I always like to remember something I learned a long time ago an experience that still stays with me um, <clears throat> even though it was probably 30 years ago um, but I, I, my first job out of nursing school was to be a rehab nurse something I didn't know anything about and I was fortunate enough to have a job in a major rehabilitation hospital where of course the focus was team you know and every team included a nurse and and a physical therapist and an occupational therapist and a psychologist and um, if appropriate voc and, and hearing but um, and every team had their caseload and it was a really nice setting because we met once a week together to just dis to discuss our our cases and our approaches and our goals and and everything but um, and sometimes we were exceptionally successful and when we were of course it was down to our blessing as well as blessing of our patients but we had uh, one of my first patients was a lady a young woman who in the throes of postpartum depression she had two little children a newborn and a two-year-old um, just absolutely couldn't cope with life and and while her children were away with the babysitter she um, put her head in the oven and lit the pilot and there was a horrible fire but she did not die uh, rather she lost both legs and one arm and there she is in her 30s with two little children and and a different life than, she, than the one she thought she'd have that's for sure 
And um, of course, my initial reaction was fear and how the heck are we going to, you know, establish goals that can be met? And, you know, you ask those questions in that setting. Thank God. You know, some of some of the team felt like this was way beyond them. And the reason they felt that way, it seemed to me, was because they condemned her for what she did, having two little children. And the course of the work with that lady um, was very difficult for them because they were uh, judging her behavior from the get-go. And um, and so they didn't, I don't think, experience the same rewards that that I did in my work with her. Um, she became my dear friend, actually, and, and taught me so much about how to be helpful and um, and how not to fear um, healing <clears throat> and to, to recognize that anyone I'm trying to be helpful to um, with regard to the goal of healing is down to my great joy. Um, because she became my gift, over the years as I thought about her, I thought, you know, I, I learned, here's what I learned. I had, um, had a children's lit professor and I, I talked to him about my fears of being helpful. And he said, here's the thing you need to realize, Lori. On any given day, you go to that floor, you have five or six patients assigned to you. And you're thinking in terms of how are you going to get everything done. But each one of those patients are thinking, I only have her to be helpful. And what I recognized in working with, <clears throat> her name was Val, what I recognized in working with her was that um, every every patient in that setting, it was a patient in this setting, it's every brother, every, every person whose field shares my field is God's gift to me. Why? Because... When I learned to set my ego fears and worries and my personal um, business aside, I can discover that every one of these occasions, whether it's at the post office or on this phone or any, any occasion that I have to meet with a brother, is God's gift to me, helping me learn my true nature. My brother is my gift. I cannot discover and learn to love and appreciate capital S self alone. It's impossible. I tried it and I can tell you it doesn't work because the joy isn't in it. So when he says divine abstraction takes joy in application what he's saying is that every brother I meet on an equal setting is God's gift to me because he helps me, everyone helps me understand and love, capital S, self. 
the atonement, he says, gives you God. It also gives you the power of a healed mind. And the beauty of a healed mind is that it goes out. It's it's a channel. In the in the manual in the manual for teachers, <laughs> I looked at it this morning because I love one of the paragraphs in there. <laughs> the question I forget which section it is. Um, I think it's section six. Section six in the manual for teachers asks the question: Is healing certain? And today is the first day that it occurred to me what a ridiculous question that is. Of course, healing is certain because of the atonement. Uh, the atonement is um, the business of Christ, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. Um, he will complete the atonement. In fact, he says, I stand at every intersection you have with the brother in case you fail. There is no failure. Healing is certain. It says, is healing certain? Well, of course, it's always certain. It's impossible to let illusions be brought to truth and keep the illusions. <laughs> the teacher of God has seen the correction of his errors in the mind of the patient, recognizing it for what it is. Having accepted the atonement for himself, he has also accepted it for the patient. That's just a fact. The atonement is a fact. Everything else is an illusion. Healing is always certain because capital S self includes us all. No one's excluded from the mind of God. That would be impossible. That's absolutely and utterly impossible. So, of course, healing is certain. The last paragraph of that says, it's relinquishing all concern about the gift that makes it truly given, and it is trust that makes true giving possible. Healing's the change of mind that the Holy Spirit in the patient's mind is seeking for him, and it is the Holy Spirit in the mind of the giver who gives the gift to capital him. How can it be lost? How can it be wasted? God's treasure house can never be empty. And if one gift were missing, it would not be full. Yet, its fullness is guaranteed by God. What concern then can a teacher of God have about what becomes of his gifts? Given by God to God, who in this holy exchange can receive less than everything? You know, there's a quote that says, whenever you meet a brother, remember it's a holy encounter. As you see him, you will see yourself. As you think of him, you will think of yourself. This is how every brother is a gift to me. This is why giving and receiving are one in truth. This is why divine abstraction takes joy and application. I will not remember my capital S self without every brother and without all creation. And it's even... It's even fuller than that. You know, in the, in the miracle principles, he says, Revelation unites souls directly with God. Miracles unite souls with each other. And at that intersection, God and souls is every mind. Every mind includes God, 
and every mind includes self. Every mind is self. He says the soul knows that the consciousness of all its brothers is included in its own. What reason can I have fear? For what reason can I possibly be afraid? If everywhere I go I'm meeting myself, in every, in every mind I see my own, where could I possibly have fear? You know, all kind of stuff happens in my mind, you know. The other day I said <laughs> the story of, you know, somebody was going to give me chocolates and flowers on Valentine's Day and they decided they were tired of that idea. Of course my ego took offense at that, but does that change anything about the unity of love? No. It shows the ridiculousness of these thoughts that cross the mind all the time. They come, they go, they come, they go. They mean nothing. What means something is the holy exchange that I can make when I see truly. That's why Christ's vision is the greatest gift I can seek. And that's why, and that's how, that's why and how Christ's vision is the source of all miracles. Every brother is, is God's gift to me. He saw you were not complete, and so he sought for your completion in every single thing he created. We are God's gifts to each other, and when I learned to see that, I learned the joy of giving and receiving are one in truth. How beautiful is divine abstraction, and how beautiful it is that this call, this capital call, the universal purpose, including everyone, um, will always, always, always leave me home. And what is home except that place where everything's part of me? What reason have I to fear? Um, it is my great joy to be able to share this with like minds every day. I'm so, so, so grateful. Amen. I'm complete. Thank you, Laurie. Beautifully said. And amen. Well, chocolates are half price today. <laughs> Thanks, Judy. Speaking of chocolate, that that was also sweet. Thank you, Lori. <laughs> oh, you guys. Thank you for that, Lori.
I just love to, um, well, we're close to the end, Lori. Are you going to have something to close with? I no, go wait. ahead. I, I do, but go ahead, Jude. I'm going to wait. Thank you. Well, then I'll just close with this. I just love this from this very chapter. Um, in the section of the constant state. As you come closer to a brother, you do approach me. And as you withdraw from him, I become distant to you. Your giant step forward was to insist on a collaborative venture. (laughs) Insist on a collaborative venture. I will go with you to the Holy One and through my perception he can bridge the little gap. Your gratitude to each other is the only gift I want. I will bring it to God for you, knowing that to know your brother is to know God. A little knowledge is an all-encompassing thing. If you are grateful to each other, you are grateful to God for what he created. Through your gratitude, You can come to know each other and just one moment of real recognition makes all men your brothers because they are all of your father. Love does not conquer all things, but it does set all things right. God will come to you only as you give him to your brothers. Learn first of them and you will be ready to hear God as you hear them. That is because the function of love is one. I've heard it said that lesson 108, giving and receiving are one in truth, is among the most difficult concepts to learn in this Course of Miracles. But these paragraphs we read today um, explain why it's so true and the rewards of it. And it's because the function of love is one. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone who read, everyone who shared, everyone who calls in, everyone who hears this conference call or invites everyone, anyone to join. Um, we have a collaborative venture without which uh, we cannot succeed. So thank you, everyone. And that ends the recorded portion of our call. (laughs)